0: Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.
1: Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. A great show for you today. We're going to talk about John Harbaugh and wins over expected by PFF metrics. And here to join us is Tage Seth of PFF. Tage, how are you doing, buddy? Pretty good. Yeah, thanks for having me back on. How are you? Uh, life's good. You know, good going to training camp, having fun, uh, living the life. But uh, Tage, we're here to talk about John Harbaugh today. And you've got an interesting new metric that basically uh, takes expected wins based on PFF grades and ascribes value above that to coach. But tell us about it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, Patrick Fleming, who's stats or on Twitter, he created a very similar metric for college coaches about a month ago, um, and it was it was pretty easy to evaluate how college coaches influence wins for their team since they control both the talent that comes into their program and how their team plays on the field. So I wanted to adapt that idea to the NFL. I thought it was really cool that a coach could add or take away wins from their team. But the NFL is a little bit harder given that some coaches don't control the talent that's on their team. They're just given the groceries and they have to cook with them. And so there's, you know, there's like the Bill Belichicks of the NFL who actually do draft and sign free agents, but then there's other coaches who have a general manager drafting for them. So that's what I looked at here was if a coach is given this talent at these different positions, how many wins can we expect them to win based on that?
1: Okay, now let's just describe some of the things you mean by that. The This talent, and I'm using air quotes here, not in a negative way in this case, uh, is what the PFF grades are on those players. So you have to accept that as kind of a bedrock evaluation of of how strong the players are We'll talk about that in a particular case I think a little bit later And then in terms of wins over expectation How you're accrediting it We've already got the PFF grades Are generated essentially by the general manager Because you're saying that he delivered That talent to the coach But then we got to be careful about ascribing The value to the head coach only Because a lot of this is coordinator based And the Ravens with two strong coordinators uh, you know Certainly have large contributions From those men as well
2: mm-hmm. Yeah, so basically it's, yeah, given the grades that this coach has on their team, uh, yeah, how many wins can we expect them to win based on that? So it does, it does let the coordinators have their influence over uh, whether or not you know, those, those players are improving. Like the Ravens have a long history of taking players in and having them improve under their watch and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So that's reflected in, in the grades. Um, and so then based on those grades, um, we can evaluate coaches to see what they're doing based on, um, that, yeah, basically like the, the talent on their roster and how well those players are playing.
1: Okay. So this is, this is take us through this now in terms of, uh, wins over expectation and where the Ravens have been for the last few years.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically what it does is it takes each, uh, Type of grade that PFF assigns. So we have the passing grade. That's the most important. The quarterback is is you know the most important to the team. And then the other stuff involved in the passing game is also really important when projecting wins. Their receiving talent, which the Ravens haven't had the best of the past couple of years, but what they have had is the great coverage talent on their roster. Um, and so that that has given them a pretty high expected wins compared to the rest of the league. But John Harbaugh has been such a good coach. He's added wins on top of that.
1: Okay, so let's talk the weightings for a minute because that's something people kind of need to get familiar with. So PFF developed weightings for positional importance for their grades that's based on some sort of curve fitting to actual wins, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, like I mentioned, like the, the quarterback and the uh, receiving pass block and coverage grades are the most weighted towards wins, while something like uh, run defense or a team's tackling ability isn't as strongly weighted towards their wins and stuff like that.
1: Okay. So another well-known curve fitting to wins would be the Pythagorean one loss record. And that just takes your, your points squared divided by your point squared plus your points allowed squared to get an expected winning percentage. I think they use still the exponent two. I know at one point, Bill James was uh, looking at different exponents to use there, but I think we, I think it's now, it's now always you use squared over squared plus squared. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, the, the, the Ravens uh, it, you know, have the best point differential in the NFL the last two years, of course. And uh, also I think one of the best records, but probably not quite the best uh, they show up well there, but the PFF grades don't exactly reflect the points scored, points allowed differential. So we'd be starting with a with a, a difference there.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, so for for example, if we look at like the 2020 season, the uh, the an average coach with what the Ravens graded out on their roster with would have won about 10 wins with the Ravens, and so then they ended up winning 11. So they got or Harbaugh got one uh win over expected for that season basically
1: okay so uh, we're understanding we're back to the pff grades now so let's talk about that just since uh, over the which do you want to talk over the period of time first or do, would you like to talk about um however you want to present this stage
2: yeah we can talk about uh what harbaugh done throughout his career um which i definitely think is is interesting for his hall of fame case so basically um, when you when you evaluate him compared to other coaches since two thousand eight, uh, which is which is the era that I I looked at, um, and and when he took over as Ravens head coach, it's hard to find a coach that has added as as many wins as he has. Um, there's been like two hundred coaches in this time period, and he ranks sixth in in wins over expected coaching out of all of them. So. That's-
1: you have, just, just stop you for a second. That's aggregate wins over expected. That's the sum of wins over expected. So there haven't been that many coaches who've been around the whole time. Yeah, but sorry, I should have, a, have
2: specified that was the average, um, average wins over expected per season coaching. How about aggregate? Yeah, aggregate. He's yeah, he's he's second there. Then it's it's mm-hmm. him, Belichick, and then Andy Reid after that. So th- that's the top three.
1: Okay, interesting. So that's the aggregate in a way is is the more important number, but the per year also very important too. Both both are, both are critical.
2: All right, let's, let's. uh... Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the, the aggregate shows how, you know, how he's been able to have such a long coaching career. And then the per year number shows how consistent he's been. So he's only really had two out of his 13 seasons as head coach of the Ravens where they won less games than they were expected to win, so that was the 2009 year where they were expected to win about 11 games, and they only won seven. And then the 2015 year, which I uh, came on this podcast earlier to talk about, um, with with where they were ravaged with injuries, basically, and so they were they were expected to win six games, and he won five.
1: You know what? If you're going to have a bad year coaching in terms of wins over expected, do it in a in an expected. Five and a half win year, it looks like from the chart here. Uh, you, you don't want to mess up a good year like with the 2009 Ravens with a bad coaching year if, if that's truly the result. I want to talk about that 2009 team because I think if people want to go back to the previous podcast, it's very well done. Tage did a a great explanation of his whale statistic that tells you, very great acronym too, that, you know, how many Uh, wins were lost due to injury or a projection of that. Um, The 2009 Ravens, though, had the best offensive line the Ravens have ever had, in my opinion. Um, They also had, of the 2008 to 2012 teams, I think they were really the best, despite the fact that they went only 9-7. and Uh, The 2012 team, I would argue, was the worst of the five teams, and it looks like your metric kind of agrees with that. They were really a nine-win team that won the Super Bowl.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just, you know, Flacco getting hot at the right time and stuff like that. But it yeah, the, the thing that uh, wins over expected coaching doesn't evaluate right now is postseason performance, which is so important mm-hmm. because it was just looking at their, their regular season grades and then how many wins they won in the regular season and stuff like that. And so that like that, I think, is really Harbaugh's next step to take to cement himself in the Hall of Fame. Like I'm I'm on here to discuss why I think he should be because he's won so many games over what an average coach would have done. But if he can break through in the postseason, and maybe they have the luck break their way instead of the luck break the other way, like they've had in these Mm -hmm. last three Lamar playoff runs, Um, you know, just getting unlucky against the Titans, where almost everything goes wrong in that game, um, with, with the drop passes that lead to interceptions and stuff like that. And then in 2020, with the playoff game against the Bills, where it's a very close game. You hold one of the best offenses in the NFL to 10 points, but you just throw an untimely pick six. And like, there's there's not much you can do about that. So that's definitely Harbaugh's next step is to get that one more postseason run where he can make a Super Bowl and even win it.
1: Yeah, it's it's remarkable because Lamar is one and three in the playoffs, and there has been a lot of weather impacting that. Now, you don't want to make excuses for any quarterback, because if Lamar is a good weather quarterback, that's going to be a holdback in January. But mm-hmm. Harbaugh's playoff record remains excellent because it was it was excellent during all of the Flacco years. Uh, mm-hmm. Certainly, they won one playoff game for each of the five years. Of course, they won a Super Bowl, and then they came back in '14 and went one and one. Um, there's only 11 playoff wins allocated every single season. Mm-hmm. Is that true still, or is there? Se- there's 14 teams now in the no, playoffs, so Yeah, there's, no, now there's 13. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, so, well uh, uh, you really took the wind out of my emphatic statement. But there's a fairly <laughs> small number of total playoff wins that are that are available, and uh and, you know when you get one, it's a it's a precious thing. The average is is less well is now only slightly over a one third per year per team. Mm-hmm. So if somebody's averaging a, you know a half a win or, or two thirds of a win per season, that's excellent. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's, it's, and then like playoffs is just, it's just so random sometimes, like the stuff that can happen when it's a one game elimination like the NFL has. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't have much doubt that they can break through eventually. It's just, you know, it might just be a matter of when instead of how and stuff like that.
1: Now, I do want to ask you about the most extreme year on here, and this comes up on every discussion I ever have with PFF people, so we got we to gotta do it. In 2019, the Ravens were expected by PFF grades to win about nine and a half games, it looks like, maybe nine and 9.7. Mm-hmm. I'm looking, yeah. just looking at the chart here, and they actually yeah. won 14. To me, a lot of that must be a reflection of PFF grading not really reflecting the full value of Lamar Jackson. Because the Ravens offense was basically unstoppable in terms of points per drive and things like that. And I don't believe that the grading from PFF really fully reflected that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's definitely. So one thing about that, they did win 14 games, but their adjusted wins was 12 games. So they did have some one score games break their way that ended up not breaking their way in 2020. But let's say, yeah, they, they were. When, expect- when
1: you say adjusted, you mean like Pythagorean, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, yes, yeah, so they are expected to win about 9.7. Then they ended up winning 14. Um, and a lot of the reason of that is it's tough to put a grade on the the gravity that Lamar Jackson brings to the Ravens. Like mm-hmm. you can only grade what he's doing specifically on each play, but it's it's tough to see like how he draws defenders into the box, which makes it easier to pass against. Mm-hmm. Or how there's always, you know, an edge rusher that has to account for him on running plays when he hands it off to Dobbins or Edwards or something like that. So that's definitely something we want to work on eventually is, uh, you know, signing signing a gravity weight to each player. Um, It's it's very similar to how Tyree Kill, even if he's not catching the ball, defenses still have to account for him just being on the field. And so I think Lamar has that similar effect and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, that's that's a that's a great point, and and maybe a way to do this would be to go back and look at unforced errors that defenses make, like when they get when they get themselves out of position on a play, and ascribe that. We'll just see see how it correlates to mm-hmm. uh, really dangerous running quarterbacks, or maybe players like Hill as well, if you can do it in the passing game. Mm-hmm. But but try and ascribe those unforced errors. We saw a lot of that, obviously, in two thousand twenty. And we saw some of it in 2019 as well. I think with the pistol offense in particular, the Ravens were very effective at creating deception at the mesh point that was very effective. They didn't use the pistol much in or not as much anyway in 2020. They went to more sidecar, which was creating a different set of opportunities. And often Mm -hmm. there were a lot of players in the middle of the field running themselves completely out of position and creating straight up the middle opportunities for Lamar.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that'd be something really cool to look at. Would be yeah, defenses making making errors because of someone's presence on the field and stuff like that. But um, yeah, so yeah, so like under the you know the the past three four years, like just just Lamar being there has has helped, and we probably truly don't recognize how great he's been and how helpful he has been for uh, the Ravens as as Flacco was aging and and Lamar took over and stuff like that. But yeah, hopefully that's something that can be adjusted in the grades. Uh, in the upcoming years. Now,
1: looking at the last three years, uh, it looks like the Ravens are a total of maybe close to six, five and a half, something like that, wins over expectation for that period. You know, a lot of people have already made the comment that Harbaugh is likely to be able to ride Jackson directly to the Hall of Fame. Now, a lot, some of that's going to have to come from postseason success, we think. But if he were to play with Jackson or coach Jackson for another five years, there's a pretty good chance, I think, that that uh, the Ravens will be successful. He'll meet any kind of um, longevity uh, requirements for the Hall of Fame with you know 17, 18, 19 years of of coaching time, and certainly lots of playoff appearances and total wins.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the really interesting about uh, or the really interesting thing about the last like three, four years, if you look at Harbaugh compared to the rest of the league is that he's actually been the best coach in wins over expected in that time period. Uh, and that's in big part due to Bill Belichick losing his edge over the rest of the league. So if you can just look at something like as simple as as fourth down conversion or go for it rate and stuff like that, you know, uh, Harbaugh's gone for it more than anyone else in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes for it like 60% of the time. Uh, and Belichick doesn't. Belichick goes for it at a league average rate of like 40%. So that's that's really led to the big jump I think in Harbaugh taking over Belichick for the top coaching spot these last couple of years and just Harbaugh's dedication to having the biggest analytics staff in the league. Like you you see like it's it's a double digit name of or double digit amount of people that are working on Harbaugh's analytics staff. He had the um that that Yale student in, that majored in behavioral economics, helping him with fourth down decisions in that 2019. That might have been Matt Weiss, or it mm-hmm. might, have been, uh, might have been Daniel Stern is another guy they have there. Daniel Stern, yes, that's who it is, yeah. Okay. So they went for it 70% of the time in 2019. Like, that's like, almost unheard of. They were going for two a lot because they knew that they could. Like Harbaugh was just finding those little edges to really increase the amount of wins that the Ravens could get that year and stuff like that.
1: Yeah it's it's interesting because the Ravens analytics jobs apparently have have had some ability to to derive Good coaching jobs from that. So Matt Weiss effectively, I think, started off as Harbaugh's assistant, but then uh, uh, got a larger and larger component in a headset position in terms of making fourth down decisions. And now he's the quarterbacks coach at Michigan. He was the running backs mm-hmm. coach with the Ravens for a year. And Daniel Stern was out there on the field at practice the other day uh, coaching J.K. Dobbins on receiving. You know, he's, you know, had a hand in that, so it's interesting. So their mm-hmm. analytics guys definitely get a an on field opportunity. So it's a pretty cool thing. If you get a, ch- a chance to work for the Ravens in analytics, uh, it's it's definitely a, one of the real dream jobs you could possibly have.
2: <laughs> yeah, and yeah, exactly. That's that's like the really impressive thing about Harbaugh's run these last couple of years with analytics is how many co- how many coaches who have been coaching for ten years and have have had as much success as he's had with the Super Bowl and stuff like that. Would actually change their methods just to gain the edge because we know Belichick isn't. Belichick is trying to do what he did for the past fifteen years that worked for him, and like it's not not necessarily his fault because like it it gave him a ton of success. You know he's probably the the greatest coach in NFL history, but now that the league is catching up to him, he hasn't made those adjustments. But Harbaugh has, and Andy Reid has, and stuff like that.
1: You know, it's interesting because one of the things that coaches can do is they can take chances and create a new paradigm, create a new way of doing things that's mm-hmm. the Belichick way or the Harbaugh way once they have a good amount of success. And Harbaugh had a good amount of success, a lot of um Capital in reserve, uh, you know the the bank account of credibility was very high for John Harbaugh for Bill Belichick. I look back to a key, key moment in Belichick's career that when he went forward on fourth and two against the Colts, mm-hmm. and it was absolutely from an analytics perspective the right call from his own thirty yard line right And I think that all all people kind of kind of agree to that, that 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 really understand the math of the game, but it was so bizarre in terms of how the NFL fans. Uh, you know, we're opposed to it. The Bill, Bill Belichick's, you know, point is I stand by my record and that's the thing. Let's talk about the Bengals, whoever they're playing next. Yeah. Cause you would always do that. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but you know, once you have some, some currency in the bank, you can do that. Harbaugh has had times in the distant past where I don't think he felt like he could go against the norm, despite what a, a headset elf might've been telling him mm-hmm. at the time. So, so one of the, one of the key moments that I'd like to point to is, is a game in 2016 where the Ravens lost effectively their playoff opportunity when they scored a little too quickly um, on a third and one play. Okay, so they had a third and one play from the 10-yard line. Juszczyk ran it in with a minute and 18 seconds left for a touchdown. And it was a case where they probably should have had something in the huddle that said, hey, if you break through, you kneel at the one. Mm -hmm. And in fact, you can see the Pittsburgh players, Bud Dupree, in fact, giving up on the tackle behind it because they already understood that fact that they really had to let them score if they broke through for the first down here. And and it was an unfortunate thing that, that Ustack ended up scoring the Ravens ended up losing the game on the immaculate extension is what Pittsburgh fans call that oh, yeah. game. And, and it was, it was one of these cases where, where the, uh, you know, Harbaugh would have taken a lot of heat for having a, a kneel down at the, inside the one yard line, but mm-hmm. it really would have been the right thing to do. And, and uh, unfortunately uh, you know, Coaches sometimes feel like they can do it, and sometimes they can't. Coming off a tough 2015, the Ravens not having a lot of playoff success since 2012, Harbaugh's bank account was kind of a low point, and he may, mm-hmm. may have felt like, I just can't take a risk like that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Definitely, like, yeah, if you look at Harbaugh's, you know, wins over expected throughout his career, like, before Jackson got there, he was starting to have some trouble. Um, and And, you know, I don't know if he was – necessarily like put on the hot seat but there was definitely some concerns about him yeah um with you know he he didn't have any wins over expected in 2016 only had half a win in um or sorry a, a full win in in 2017 and then 2018 you know when when Lamar comes in and and kind of revives his career a little bit so yeah that's that's definitely a really interesting perspective on everything
1: yeah, the, the 2017 season, I'm trying to think of the year that Bishotti came out and spoke alone to the media, which is unusual because usually they speak on a unified front with mm-hmm. uh, uh, Ozzy or DaCosta and and uh, the president who's talking about various things and Bishotti and Harbaugh, they all talk together about the state of the Ravens. Well, Bishotti came out and did the state of the Ravens by by himself, and I believe it was after the 2017 season when they lost on a long touchdown pass to Tyler Boyd. Uh, their playoff spot within the last minute of the season. Mm -hmm. In in any case, he said, you know, did I think about firing John? Yes. But in the end, I wasn't inclined to do it. That's the way he Mm -hmm. put it. And it was just, you could see that, you know, it was kind of at a modest point in terms of capital in the tank, but during the last, during the last three years, really, I think uh, the Harbaugh era has come back. And I think at this point, it's difficult for me to see how in any one year period, He'd be able to exhaust his account. It is possible over two or three years, of course. um, But that's the thing about good coaches is they don't tend to have, you know, two or three consecutive bad years.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, that's really interesting when even looking across the division and stuff like that, because we're probably going to have a coaching change in Cincinnati. Um, Zach Taylor showed up as the worst coach and wins over expected Hmm. during his time there. But then you have these other two really good coaches in, in Stefanski's first year, he won two wins over expected. And then Tomlin is, is consistent and up there with Harbaugh um, two. He's, I would put Tomlin in, in, a slightly lower tier than, than Harbaugh. I would put like Belichick Reed and Harbaugh in like tier one for the last 10 years. And then Tomlin Carroll and Sean Payton in tier two, but they've still been very, very good at, at winning these games and stuff like that, except for Zach Taylor.
1: The, the rivalry being what it is, and the overlap in their coaching careers being so similar, it wouldn't be surprising if Hall of Fame voters voted him in the same year. Um, mm-hmm. It almost... It, we were almost in a position where Reed and Palomalo, had they retired the same year, might have been fighting jockeying for a Hall of Fame position. I'm sure Reed would have gotten it, but 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 they mm-hmm. might have just decided, well, we want Palomalo going in at the same time. Fortunately, because they were they were separated by a year, that didn't happen. But it'd be interesting to see what would happen if Tomlin and Harbaugh left the game both in let's say 2026, mm-hmm. and uh, you know would would they both be going to the Hall of Fame in the same year after after that?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it it would be super interesting. And it's cool just to see, like differing uh, backgrounds of coaches have success, like Harbaugh being a special teams coach, and then having this much success because, you know, a special teams coach has to control so much. Um, They have to grab, you know, offensive linemen to practice field goal blocking, and then they have to control their kicker and their punter who are just on their team. And then defensive players to be the gunners and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and so that's that's really cool and then tomlin being such a players coach and someone that some you know like juju smith schuster had offers from the chiefs and then i also think the ravens but he wanted to come back and play for tomlin so it's it's been cool to see those those differing uh styles of coaches have so much success within the division and they do play each other two times a year which is always uh, a must watch and stuff like that
1: all right. Well, Tage, what else do you have to show us in terms of charts here and whatnot? I'm mean, I'm looking at the charts. These charts will be posted along with the article, but uh, uh, some great stuff here. And uh, is is there another chart you'd like to go through?
2: Uh, yeah. That's that's all I had for uh, for today. Yeah, there was just the the wins over expected uh, charts with with Harbaugh, and then the uh, the article that's on the PFF website is just called um, Wins Over Expected uh, PFF data study. And then that kind of explains like how the metric was derived. Um, it shows that Harbaugh was in the top five for 2008 to 2020. And then he's been the best from 2017 to 2020. So it shows some, some charts and stuff like that, that, um, that explains where the metric comes from and and his success. And basically why I think him and the coaches in his tier deserve to be in the hall of fame.
1: All right, outstanding stuff, Tage. I'm sure Ravens fans are going to love this. You're just graduating from from college now. You're going to PFF for your first job, effectively,
2: right? Uh, I'm an intern at PFF this summer, so um, yeah. I'm I'm going into my junior year at college. So, ah. yeah,
1: you still got some time left. All right, yeah. working on doctorate or master's after that? Do you know?
2: I don't think so. I think I'll just uh, graduate and then uh, hopefully work somewhere in football analytics full time after that.
1: All right. I'm sure you got a great start on this stage. I'm sure you do very well. Uh, thanks again for joining us here. Yeah, thank you for having me. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study.
0: Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app.